Hey, Tyler. Yeah, Sam? Did you know I've always wanted to be a wrestler? No. Actually, you haven't said that once in the three years that I've known you. Well, it's true. I loved watching wrestling and all the big names like uh, the, the, the Rock and Dwayne Johnson and Hulk Hogan. Yeah. It sounds like you know exactly what you're talking about. And you know, about. I've been working on my wrestling voice, too. Do you want to hear it? No, I really... Oh, yeah! This is my wrestling oh. voice. Mmm, yeah! My name is Albie. Stop. That's my wrestler Stop, name. please. Uh, <laughs> okay, what'd you think? It sounded like a really bad Randy Savage impression. That's because it was. Because I'm Sam Albis. And I'm in pain. I'm Tyler Strandberg. And you're listening to the Avatar Podcast. Yep, yep. <laughs> On this podcast, we watch the Nickelodeon show Avatar The Last Airbender and analyze the plot, themes, and characters. At the end of each episode, we'll talk about who our favorite character was, as well as give the episode a rating on a scale of 1 to 10. You're listening to the Avatar Podcast. Yep, yep. All right, Tyler. Today, we are going to be talking about the sixth episode of Book 2, and that is titled The Blind Bandit. Yeah, I just want to say first, Sam, that in the cold open, when you said Hulk Hogan, that reminds me of the SNL skit where they're like trashy people in Florida and like two of the girls are both like, my daddy's Hulk Hogan. (laughs) And they're like, you too? One of the girls was like, I was born in Epcot. And I'm like, me too. I feel that. Anyway, I just wanted to get that out there. You feel that? <laughs> yeah, like, I How re- do you feel I that? I relate to being born in Epcot Center, like, on a spiritual level. Okay. Like, I wasn't. I was born in Minnesota, Can where we live. Can you read the synopsis now? Yes. <laughs> Aang searches for an earthbending teacher with little success. While at an earthbending tournament, he finds a talented blind earthbender girl named Toph, whom he has seen in a vision in the swamp. Unable to leave her overprotective parents, she cannot become Aang's instructor. And, although she saves Aang after he is kidnapped, is forbidden from fighting any longer. To escape her plight, she runs away from home and joins the group, assuming her role as Aang's tutor. This episode premiered on Nickelodeon on May 5th, 2006, and was written by Michael Dante DiMartino. He's one of the creators of the show. I was gonna say, Sam, I think I recognize that name! Yes, you do, because... Of what I just said. Because we talk about him, like, all the time. Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on to things to know. Yay, things to know. Do we have things to know this time? We do. We have quite a few things to know. Ooh, yay. Um, so the first thing that needs to be known is, um, the song that plays during Master Yu's first conversation with Lao Beifang is The Jasmine Flower, a traditional Chinese folk song, and it is used later in the show as a theme for the Beifang family. Mmm. Interesting stuff. Very interesting. One of the boys that Katara beats up has the same hairstyle as the hippo, and in the DVD commentary, the creators say this is because he is a fan of the hippo. <sighs> That's so dumb. Why is that dumb? I don't know. That's I just, not dumb. I hate teenage boys. <laughs> little little kids and teenagers have idols, and sometimes they are underground wrestlers <laughs> named the hippo. If you're a teenage boy and you are listening to this podcast and you copy my hairstyle, first of all, why? Because <laughs> I haven't gotten my hair cut since that one time I did it myself and it was janky. 
<laughs> That's beyond the point. <laughs> um, because the Earth Kingdom is so large, it is not uncommon to see smaller monarchies pop up here and there um, to rule over a province or region. Um, this would explain why Bumi is the king of Omashu, even though there's already an Earth King. He's kind of just the king of that region. Mm. Um, and the Beifongs hold the most political power in the southern Earth Kingdom because of their wealth. They rich. They are the most wealthy people in the Earth Kingdom. And possibly the whole world. Yes, it is implied that they are even more wealthy than the Earth King himself. That is insane. Yes. How do you get that much money, Tyler? By exploiting labor of the people who work beneath you. Ah, I was hoping you would say that. There we go. <laughs> we, we're on the same wavelength, I guess. Master Yu's Academy is a reference to the sort of, like, shady strip mall dojo that gives martial arts schools a bad name. Like, you know, the ones that give out accolades if you pay them money. Kind of like what Master Yu did when he offers to bump Aang up a belt if he pays for a year in He's advance like, rather Aang, than actual skill level. Aang, like, gets crushed and Master Yu is like, do you want to commit to more lessons? If you pay for a year, I'll bump him up to the next belt. And Aang's like, yo, I just got destroyed. <laughs> I just got leveled by a boulder thrown by... An eight-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really funny because Aang is pretty short as he is, right? He's 12. But then, like, you see him, like, learning with the other kids, and he's substantially taller than, like, everyone else that he's learning and with. all of the kids in Avatar are tiny to begin with. Like, yeah. when they stand next to adults, they're, they're pretty puny. Small. Yeah. Absolutely puny. Next, we're moving on. This this is the last thing to know. And what the cold open is based off of, um, the Earth Rumble 6 is a parody of professional wrestling matches and includes many parodies of professional wrestlers. Um, every single, like, wrestler in the Earth Rumble 6 is, like, a parody of some sort of wrestling stereotype. But I don't want to go through all of them. <laughs> so we're just going to cover the big one. Um, the the boulder is assumed to be a reference to Dwayne The Rock Johnson since he is dark skin and refers to himself in the third person. Ironically, he's actually voiced by Mick Mankind Foley, which is one of The Rock's biggest rivals and closest friends in wrestling. And in the Avatar extras, it was actually said that the creators tried to get The Rock to voice it, but he was unable to for whatever reason. Maybe he refused. Maybe, I, I don't know. It was probably scheduling conflicts. Yeah, That's probably. usually what it is. It's either... Because those lines would have taken like five minutes Yeah, to it's either scheduling conflicts or something with like pay. That's usually why actors don't accept roles. He should have canceled whatever he had because he would have participated in one I, of the greatest shows of all time. I'm just saying, I hope that he plays the boulder in the live action series. I hope so too. That would <laughs> be that would be incredible. very cool. I would love that. Let's hope that Netflix has the budget to get him signed on. It's and Netflix. Also, of course they have the budget. Yeah, I know, but like I don't know what shows get big Netflix budgets and what don't. Yeah, we don't know if the show is going to have like what kind of budget for Netflix they're going I to have. I mean they buy indie films left and right mm -hmm. for like eight or nine million dollars each. Mm -hmm. So they have some money to throw around. Sam, they're trying to get that Oscar money. And it's getting more and more common for uh, films to debut on Netflix. Yeah. Um, actually, the Oscars. Like the this Irishman, year. for example. Yeah, the Oscars this year, Netflix has the biggest lead on rumored nominations. Jeez, they're but taking But we're not over. a film podcast. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Maybe if they release another Avatar film, we will be, but uh, you cannot get worse than the last one. 
Yeah. At least there's that. There's that. <sighs> yeah, I don't you know. You can't do worse. I don't know. Can you? Well, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but apparently Artemis Fowl on Disney Plus beat The Last Airbender for the worst film of all time. I think you mentioned that in the in the episode. Yeah, I'm not sure if I did or not, but, you know, now I did again. Well, now you know. Anyway, that's that's way off topic. Let's try to get more on topic, and let's talk about the theme of this episode, the major one, which is disability. In Yay. case you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, the entire episode focuses on how, because of her blindness, Toph is treated as if she needs to be taken care of, even at the expense of her own agency or choices as a human. The episode does a great job at slowly exposing this to us, showing us how protective Toph's parents are of her. I'm pleased to hear that Toph's private lessons are going well, but I want to be sure she's not trying anything too dangerous. Absolutely not. I'm keeping her at the beginner's level, basic forms and breathing exercises only. Very good. They underestimate her own abilities without ever really giving her the chance to try, like anything. It's like they've decided that she's failed before seeing what she's capable of. Hoff is still learning the basics. Yes, and sadly, because of her blindness, I don't think she will ever become a true master. We can understand as a viewer why her parents think this way too. Even though it's already been shown that she's an earthbending master, we see how Toph plays into the role that her parents think of her. Toph, what happened? I thought I heard someone. I got scared. Her parents don't even treat her as a person. They treat her as if she can't even take care of herself. My daughter is blind. She is blind and tiny and helpless and fragile. She cannot help you. Sam, I think this quote does a really great job at showing us how her parents don't even see her as her own person. They only see her for her blindness. It literally says that. Like, that's the first thing that he introduces of her. Like, my daughter is blind, you know? That's the first thing he sees. We're like, Katara and Sokka are like, we need your help. Like, we need you, you know? Like, there's, we're not strong enough. They see Toph as this, like, very strong individual who can mm-hmm. carry her own and do more than that. But her parents only see her for her disability, her blindness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and her dad is like, she is blind and tiny and helpless and fragile and fragile and tiny and helpless yeah. and little. Yeah, it's like, like it it's, just it just uses adjectives to, it's that like are everything usually that used. we've been building up to this point. They don't even give her a chance to see what she's capable of. They have already decided what she is for her. Mm-hmm. You know exactly, and only use like descriptor words that you would use to describe like I don't know, like a hummingbird, yeah. like a little <laughs> a tiny animal instead of like a human being that has the capability of learning and growing and being, well, also being as in making their own yeah. choices. I would so, say like borderline like a puppy, you know? Yeah, like, like a dog. Can't, not really like a dog. A dog is more like, oh yeah, like they're they're fine. They can stay home alone for a while, but like a puppy, you know? Like mm. I need to be there to take care of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I need to be there 24-7. Otherwise they'll, yeah. you know, die yeah. or whatever. It's not a good look. It's, it's, it's sad that her parents treat her this way, but obviously this is why this is the theme of the episode because we're analyzing like how it got to this point and how her disability, like, affects the way that her parents treat Mm -hmm. her. After that, it becomes clear to the audience that her parents will never, ever 
see her as someone who can do things for herself. They will only see her for for her blindness, what they think she can't do, and will strip away anything that brings her joy out of their own fear. So now that you see who I really am, I hope it doesn't change the way you feel about me. Of course it doesn't change the way I feel about you, Toph. It's made me realize something. It has? Yes. I've let you have far too much freedom. From now on, you will be cared for and guarded 24 hours a day. But Dad! We are doing this for your own good, Toph. This quote proves that Toph's parents have only and will only ever see Toph for her disability, and not even as a person. They will do whatever it takes to strip as much of that personality away from Toph. Yeah, I mean, like, they just saw her and what she's capable of, and they kind of decide, like, nope, we know better. We know that mm, you can't do this, even though we just saw you do it. Yeah, you know? that's... What? It's... That's sad. It's this helicopter parenting. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, no, you're becoming what I don't want you to be, so now... I'm going to forcefully yep. put you in a box. It's also treating people with disability as if they're not capable of themselves. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, it was some sort of accident that Toph, you know, or, like, failure of parenting that Toph became who she was. Yeah. Rather than her overcoming the adversity of being disabled and turning it into something that makes her unique. Yeah. You know? I think we actually talk about helicopter yeah. parenting in our bonus episode, our Patreon episode. Yep, that is the theme for our Patreon episode. So if you want to listen to us talk about helicopter parenting, subscribe to our Patreon. We, um, we do some really great discussing in those. We do. Um, yeah, so Sam, that, yeah, this is... Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is really good writing. <laughs> like, this is probably some of the best writing we've seen so far on the show. This is such an outstanding like dissection on disability and how to treat people with disability and that yeah, sounds verdicty but we are presenting that as an objective fact we are fact. presenting <laughs> that as information <laughs> as objective it is objective fact. fact it is incredible writing for this show uh-huh. um disability in the show is not treated as something that hinders people but instead gives them advantages that others may not have the show frames that we shouldn't treat people with disability as people who need to be protected or taken care of, but just as people who are different than us in any other way someone without disability is different than us. Yeah, like, um, you know, Sam and I, you, we're different, you know, uh -huh. in different ways with our personality and things that we enjoy. Or, like, uh -huh. if we're getting more, like, on a physical level, like, body shape and, like, I'm taller than you and yada, yada, yada and all that yeah. kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, like, it's the same thing with people with disability. Like, you know, like, it's the same difference as, like, I'm tall and you're short or, like, I can see and Toph can't see. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's how the show is presenting disability, which mm -hmm. I think that's a really cool way to look at it. Unfortunately, we live in a world where I don't think that people consider people with disability that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that's a very great take to be presenting to children, and that's how we should be considering it. Mm -hmm. um, this brings me to a story that I have. I was listening to a podcast um, where they talked about um, this man, Daniel Kish, um, is a man who has been in the news, in and out of the news for most of his life because he is known as a blind man who can ride a bike. Um, he's been blind since he was three years old. 
Um, and he can ride a bike because he developed human echolocation where he like makes little clicking sounds. And based off that, he can tell like what's around him and if he's going to run into something. Mm-hmm. Um, and in like, in the podcast episode I was listening to, it was kind of like interviewing his parents and like everything about his life. And his parents were kind of just like, yeah, like when he was riding a bike, everyone was saying like, don't you think he'll fall and crash? And I was saying like, well, any kid that's learned how to ride a bike will probably fall and crash either. Like, why should I deny my kid the chance to do this? Um, And I thought that was a really cool way of looking at it. And also like later on, in the interview, the interviewer was like watching him ride a bike and one of his friends was with him and his friend goes like, everyone stare and wonder. A blind man does something that everyone else can also do. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I just think that really presents the whole commentary that it's like, you know, we constantly treat people with disability as if as if they're incapable of doing something, you know? And then it's um, incredible and amazing when they can Yeah, do exactly. It. And it's like, it's a normal thing. Like, people will adapt to work with what they have or what they don't have. You know what I mean? And if we decide before we even get them the chance, like, and this isn't just for people with disability, but it's highlighting with people with disability. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, with anyone, if you decide what they can and can't do before you give them a chance to try, then obviously they'll never know if they can do it or not. But this is exceptionally shown with people with disability because like, that's a thing that commonly happens, again, like I said, very unfortunately. And this story is a good example of how we shouldn't be doing that because you know people grow and adapt and develop things in their own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that is well said. Thank you. I was struggling with how to place my words, but I'm glad I did it successfully. You stuck the landing, Tyler. There we go. Stuck it. So Toph isn't a great earthbender in spite of her disability, but because of it. It's because of her blindness that Toph is able to be so attuned with the earth and is able to enhance her earthbending beyond what we've previously seen other benders be able to do. She's absolutely incredible. She's like, like She's an incredible she's earthbender. She's like on another level. She's she's the best earthbender I've ever seen. <laughs> That's a quote from the show, isn't it? Yeah, it like is. Master Yu says that or something. Yes, absolutely. Wow. It was a bad impression of that voice actor, but whatever. No, it's okay. I also do a bad impression of Azula like every chance I get. I also so. do a really bad impersonation of Randy Savage. Which we saw in the cold open. We should just stop impersonating people. I think that's the moral of this story. Oh yeah. Stop it. No, stop it. Sounded like the cookie monster. Stop it. Okay, um, I think we've exhausted this theme. Tyler. I think we have too. So Why what, don't we stop talking about the theme and instead talk about the person? Yeah, I was gonna introduce that, but it's okay. But we have to do a break first. Okay. Sam, how was your break? Uh, it lasted for 30 seconds, and I just looked at my phone. Okay, well, you know what? I got me a Diet Coke. Yeah, so. you did. You're, what What number is that for the day, Tyler? I think three. Oh. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. You are cutting down on your Diet Coke Thank you. intake. It's only because I slept until 1.30 today, so I didn't have enough time to drink more earlier. Wish that were me. <laughs> I was done with work <laughs> by the time you woke up. You know what? <laughs> All right. Let's start talking about things relevant to the episode, yeah. including um, the character who was introduced, Toph. The character. The character of the episode, mm-hmm. Toph. Let's talk about her. 
Yeah, let's do that. Um, Many key factors about Toph's introduction directly make her distinct and unique from any other character we've met, as well as subverts expectations as to what we think that she will be. For example... Um, well, not for example. We're going to give a lot of examples here, but here's the first one. Um, every teacher Aang has had so far has been an old man. Paku with waterbending. Uh, Bumi was supposed to teach him earthbending. Even Jean Jean, who was taught him firebending. Um, and this makes Toph stand out as different and unique character among Aang's teachers and makes her more memorable and more interesting because she is the exact opposite. She is young and she is small and she is a girl. Mm-hmm. When we first see Toph in the swamp, we see her as a giggling girl in a royal dress, which gives off the idea of high class and innocence. However, when we first meet Toph, she is a tough, rugged, and strong earthbender who is the champion of an underground earthbending ring. This directly contrasts the idea of who we initially saw in the swamp of the person Aang meant, and we don't immediately recognize her because... Her clothes are different. So is her demeanor. Sam, I felt really uncomfortable writing giggling girl. For some reason, like giggling just makes me feel uncomfortable. But like, that's (laughs) an accurate description. Why does the word giggle make you uncomfortable? I don't know. I feel like it has really weird like sexual connotations. And like, I felt really uncomfortable placing that on top. That is the correct word to describe. I know, like it doesn't. I don't know why I'm thinking of it this way. It's just strange. Anyway, want to hear my impression? Want to hear what I think of when I see giggling girl? Do you want to just hear what I think of immediately? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's going to understand that reference. If you understand that reference, I appreciate you as a human being much more. (laughs) These pajamas are gay! (laughs) Why are you still... Ketro, I'm going to be okay. I know. Then why are you still crying? Because these pajamas are gay. <laughs> you peeked the mic many times. I'm okay with that. Sorry, Aaron. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry. This is my turn now. Um, Yeah, so more examples of why Toph stands out and is unique and different. And when we first see her in the episode, we see her at a low angle shot, which in case you don't know about like film studies, cinematography, (laughs) Um, (laughs) low angles are commonly used to make someone look more powerful. It makes them look bigger, yada, yada, yada. So that's exactly what this is for. It's made to highlight Toph's power and like her strength and make her seem like how intimidating she is. But then right away, it cuts to show us how small she actually is. She's tiny. She is so small. Like, when we first watched this... She's, like, up to my shin! I think um, she's, like, three and a half feet tall. Oh, my God. I don't know. Um, Which makes sense for a 12-year-old. Like, if a 12... I mean, like, I know... No, it doesn't. It does, Sam. I know people who are, like... I know girls who are, like, fully grown women, and they are five feet tall. So if they haven't hit their growth spurt yet, it makes sense that they're probably around four feet. Let me look up how tall Toph is. Toph is three feet, eight inches. (laughs) That's so small. It is pretty small. Um, This also has a bunch of other characters, like, at very short heights. Like, it says Roku is 5'6", which I don't believe that for a single second. And it says Zuko is 5'2". So, (laughs) 
Yeah, I think this. No. Is, yeah, I think this Zuma's is on five foot this two. This is seriously undershooting how tall these characters actually are. So if this is saying Toph is three foot three feet eight inches, I think she's probably closer to around four foot two or something like that. Four foot two is the magic number. That's that's the one. Um, yeah, this is also contrasting with the boulder, who is a large man with muscles against Toph, <laughs> who is like we've been saying in every sense of the word. Tiny he is a large man. He's a <laughs> the boulder big is a boy with big muscles. Yeah, the boulder is a big boy for sure. The boulder's like, <laughs> and Toph is like, like she sounds like either. Okay, you know what? I suck at impressions. We've established this. We need to stop doing impressions. We should have added the theme for the episode as. Tyler and Sam are bad at impressions. Tyler and Sam are bad at impressions. So her unique characteristics set her apart from other characters we've met in order to make her more memorable. A, she's the only blind character. Duh. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, And B, she's the only character with a last name. Interesting. Very interesting. I wonder what kind of system these people live in. I, I have no idea. If they don't have last names, how do they have social security? They probably do. It's just so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't. I wasn't saying yes to social security. I was saying yes to. They probably do have last names. It's just a cartoon, so okay. we don't learn them. Because I'm pretty sure almost every culture has family names, mm-hmm. and then you get the name you are called by. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty common thing. Yeah. So I doubt they just don't have last names because that wouldn't make sense. Well, I guess we don't know. A little linguistics lesson for you um, from a another, person that's not experienced with linguistics I, formally. I am not experienced with linguistics formally. I'm casually into it. You anyway, dabble. I dabble in the linguistics. Yeah, um, last point about Toph. Um, this is just, you know, if we didn't bring it up, then it's like it, we would be, it's not smart on our behalf if it wasn't mentioned. Um we learn about seismic sense, um, and seismic sense is the subskill of earthbending that constitutes for physical sense. This skill enables earthbenders to detect vibrations in the ground, to perceive objects, people, and other aspects of their environment, essentially acting as sonar, but through earth. I mean, so far, Toph is the only person who we know can do this. Yeah, the only person we see so far, and she uses it well. Sam, we talked about one character the entire time. Who was your favorite? <laughs> Why don't you guess? I can't right now. Why? Because we have to take a quick break. Okay, but you like probably know who it is. Okay. (laughs) All right, Tyler, we're back. We are. This is the point in the show where we share our favorite character and then our verdict. Oof, you're right. And (laughs) it was a really (laughs) tough choice this time, wasn't it, Tyler? Yeah, it was so difficult. I had no clue who I was going to pick. Okay, well, let's hear who you picked. My favorite character is Sokka. What? No, I'm kidding. That's so stupid. It's tough. Well, I mean, that's actually kind of valid because Sokka is pretty damn Sokka funny. Sokka is funny, Drake. No, I wanted to throw you off. Like how you did that one time saying like, my favorite character was Boomy. Mine was funnier. <laughs> okay, was funnier you know what? I literally got angry. Mine failed. My joke failed. Um, For every reason that we mentioned above, I don't think I really need to go off more. How can you, like... There's no way you can watch this episode and Toph isn't your favorite character. She's cool. Whether like, it, yeah, whether it be because of her badass abilities or just like sympathy for her family situation, mm-hmm. like watching her going through that 
I'll even say it, abusive family situation. Yeah, I would agree. Um, is hard to watch. So you can be very sympathetic, like if you are, you know, a survivor of abuse or yeah. helicopter parenting or whatever, you can identify with Toph in that regard. But also, like, she's cool as hell. Like, yeah. in case you couldn't tell, my favorite character is also Toph. I was going to say, I think I know who your favorite character is because you're talking more about it than I am. Yeah, well, sorry, I'll let you talk. About no, I'm done. I, oh. I don't. You're saying it much more eloquently than I can. I'm just kind of like, yep, she's my favorite because of all the reasons we've said above. Yeah, it, there's a reason why we only talk about here. And I mean, like, Sokka and Aang and Katara are in the episode too. Like, Katara showing once again that she, you know, she's is a tough. Yeah, I love she's Katara. she's a badass. But there's just not enough there. To- no, I mean, this is Toph's episode. Like, really is. It really is. It definitely is. But Sokka is pretty hilarious during the Earth Rumble 6 and... How he, just how much he gets into it yeah. is very fun to watch. It is very funny. Okay, though, this is the part of the episode that gets more unpredictable mm-hmm. because I guess I have a feeling about what score you're going to give it, but mm-hmm. I don't know. You might surprise me because you surprise me sometimes. I think, so, what? I think if you were to predict what I gave this, you would probably predict correctly, but I will say I struggled a lot with this. And hmm. I'll explain in my reasoning. Thesis. Yes. You'll explain in your thesis. Um, I gave this episode a 10. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that we could go on and on about all the intricacies of the disability theme, and especially Toph as a character, that's just amazing writing. Like, that is substantially impressive, more than anything else we have ever seen. And that... The reason we give tens is either it is a perfect episode or there's something about this episode that makes it stand out and above the rest. And that's the reason I gave this episode a 10. It's not because I think it's perfect, but because I think it stands out above the rest. Um, And I struggled with this because I don't personally love this episode. I was going to say like, but that's not true because I do like this episode. Mm. Um, It's just like, I don't, there's nothing about this episode that makes me go like, wow, that's so cool. Or like, oh my God, I was so enthralled the entire time. Like, I think the last match between Toph and everyone else is pretty cool. And I think that, um, you know, the whole like Earth Rumble thing, Earth Rumble 6 thing is pretty cool. But throughout, it's like pretty moderately paced and it's kind of Mm -hmm. like low key. Like the only part that kind of stands out is when, Toph is fighting, and those are very brief moments of the episode. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, the pacing and just everything about this is kind of just like, okay, yeah, cool. Like, this is, I'm just kind of going along with it. But once you start digging into the writing, I'm like, okay, there's a lot here. Even though it's not action-packed, that makes me, like, that blows me away. It really is the writing that blows me away. Yeah. Well, well said. I was kind of long-winded. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's totally fine. It's Sam, your verdict. What did you give this episode? I gave this episode a 10. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it has to be a 10. Tyler, it has to be. Why does it have to be a because 10? Because the introduction of Top's character and also the way Michael, singular, because he wrote this episode, mm-hmm. the way Michael treats Top's character is absolutely outstanding. Like, it is... Such good writing, but also, like, I will even say, like, groundbreaking writing for mm-hmm. a child character with a disability in animation. Like, I would agree. It is 
outstanding. Toph is a fantastic character, uh, well, is introduced fantastically in this episode. I also think the episode itself is, like, I tried really hard to find something wrong with it, and I don't know, me, personally, I really enjoy it, like, a lot, mm-hmm. but I also really like sports anime, mm-hmm. so the wrestling part, like, I I liked that part a lot. But also, like, I think the writing is solid throughout, and the dialogue is engaging enough to keep you interested. And I think the pacing is fair. I think it feels a little long at yeah. the end. Like, that whole fight scene at the end, like, oh, I remember see. I thought the episode was over once, like, when Lao Beifong reads that, that Toph and Aang were captured or whatever, uh-huh. right? Um, I thought the episode was going to end there, There's but it keeps going. one small scene after that. Yeah, I know, but, like... I don't know. I just felt like towards the end it got to be a bit long. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it was because the runtime is the same as how it always is, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just felt towards the end it gets a bit long. See, I felt it was long like at the beginning, like leaning, leading up to um, Earth Rumble 6. And I'm then, noticing this is a trend with you. What? You don't like exposition. I, n- no, it's not that I don't like exposition. Mm. You Maybe don't I like don't. exposition. Maybe you don't, don't like it when it eases you in. You want to get thrown into the action right away. No, I don't want to get thrown into the action. I just want exposition to be, like, minimal. <laughs> See, I love exposition. Like, I if, if you can make a world interesting enough that I don't need anything interesting to happen, mm-hmm. I'm just enthralled and interested in the world, like, that is fine for me. So them mm-hmm. just walking around and doing their thing at first, like, peak slice of life, like... That appeals to No, me. I agree. I I love the slice of life <clears throat> kind of thing, but I just think like with this episode that's both like slice of life and also like action. I just I the two don't mesh amazingly with me. I was going to say don't mesh well, but like they do. I I like this episode. I just don't th- I personally am not like this is a great episode. I was so enthralled the entire time. I was like, yeah, it was enjoyable. You know what I mean? We didn't even we haven't even talked about Sokka's handbag bit. Oh my god, I love Sokka and his bag and his belt. Oh my god, it is so The belt so funny. matches the bag perfectly. God, he's so funny. I don't dig the like... I don't dig the like slightly the, misogynistic like, joke. Yeah. joke where it's like, that's not manly. You're the one whose bag matches his belt as if insinuating that like only females care about style. Yeah, exactly. Oh god, that's... Yeah, that's kind of misogynistic. But... Also, like, slightly eh. homophobic. There's some tones of both in there. I mean, it was it was a well-meant joke. I don't mm-hmm. think it was that problematic, but it was definitely like, uh, uh. Yeah. Yeah. But We've been talking about Verdict for too long. Let's be done. <laughs> That's all we have for this episode. A huge thank you goes out to our producer and audio engineer, Aaron Bogan, along with their production company, Son Event Productions, and Annie Galloway, who made our cover art and is our graphic designer. Make sure you join us next week. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find us. Don't forget to tell a friend about the show or share the show if you like it. Please feel free to reach out to us. Our email is airbenderpod at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, both at airbenderpod. That's A-I-R Bender, P-O-D. Check out our Patreon. Starting at $1 a month, you can get early access to episodes as well as behind-the-scenes content and bonus episodes. You can find us there by searching the Avatar Podcast Yip Yip or by using the link in the description of this episode. If you pay $5, you get, like, a a fair amount of content. Like, we post on Patreon, like, twice a week. Mm -hmm. Like, so, 
just saying. Yeah. $10 just saying. is where you start getting the bonus episodes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and those are like 10 minutes long. Not They're 10. Like 15. That's, that's short. They're like, They're like 15. 15 to 20 minutes long. Of and- like constant good discussion. You yeah. discuss points and go very in-depth on a certain point. And you get one every week, so that's four episodes for $10. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's great. It's a good deal. Anyway... I'm Sam Albus, the co-host and co-writer of this show. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam underscore Albus or on Instagram at Sam Albus. My last name is spelled A-L-B-U-S. I'm Tyler Strandberg, the host, creator, and head writer of the show. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, both at TylerJohn7. That's T-Y-L-E-R-J-O-N and the number seven. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.